Welcome, welcome, welcome to Real Job Talk. I'm Kat Troyer. I'm Liz Bronson. Liz Bronson, how the heck are you today? I am doing great. How are you? I'm good. I'm really excited about this episode because we have been alluding to this almost every episode that we've recorded so far. I know. So Liz, I'm going to pass it over to you to do an intro to this show. So Kathleen, we have been talking about, talking about working with the elusive asshole. Mm. They suck to have on your team. They're the person who blames others. They're negative. They take credit for other people's work. They boast. They can be inappropriate. They know everything. They're bossy. And generally, they're just a sucking drain on your spirit. (laughs) So they are out there. And honestly, they're tough to deal with. And so we have put together a show today to talk about how to not hire them, how to work with them if someone else hired them, because of course, after listening to this, you would never, (laughs) how to coach them, how to manage them out of your group, project, or organization. And most importantly, how to survive having to to deal with an asshole on a day-to-day basis. Self-care, baby, Mm -hmm. Mm self-care. So let's get right into it, because I'm just so excited. I can't wait. So how do you spot an asshole, Liz? Well, they show up in the interview process, and the way they show up is a number of different things. One, you can really find clue number one, and of course, anything that we say here is not all-inclusive, every single person, every single thing, but some clues in the beginning are, for example, a spotty resume where there's lots of short stints lots of gaps, and lots of consulting without actual consulting projects. Just I was working for ABC Consulting, but there's nothing to show that was done during that consulting. Mm-hmm. So there's some, it's a spotty resume that has short, a lot of short stints. One short stint, not, doesn't mean they're an asshole. Short stint after short stint after short stint, maybe a red flag. What else, Kat? Well, my asshole-ometer goes off when I am interviewing someone or trying to coach someone, which is nearly impossible, Mm -hmm. who is an asshole, when they never use we Mm -hmm. in the conversation. It's always me, 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 I, 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 me, 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 I, I. Oh my gosh, I had one this week and they were talking about a project that was like a gigantic mega company-wide project that they did by themselves. Right. I'm like, I go, how many people were on your team? Other people were working on this and they said 250. Wow. It's funny, but I launched it. I did it. I, I, I. I'm like, hmm, red flag. Yeah. There might be an asshole in the building. Assholeometer on high. <laughs> red, red alert, red alert. <laughs> what else, Kat? Well, when, when you ask them about successes, it's all, it's all about them, right? They don't, it, it's, it's similar, but, but they did it all, right? Mm-hmm. They, they take all the credit. Yeah. And they're all about it. Like, and look what I did. And look, and it's in a boastful, like braggy way. It's one thing to say, this is what I've accomplished and I'm really proud. And my team and I, we all came together and we delivered this thing or we, whatever. We collaborated the best project of my life with this fabulous team. That's not what an asshole usually says. No. When you are interviewing, you absolutely have to toot your own horn, sometimes to the point that you're uncomfortable. Right. But the asshole, 
doesn't get uncomfortable because it is horn tooting time and they will give it their examples however far back they have to go to talk about success. Now, another thing that is <laughs> makes should make an assholeometer go off is that when there's a failure or if you ask about failure and side tip, you should always ask what's something that if you you know, with hindsight being 2020, you would go back and change. Sometime in the interview process, that's a really good question. Asshole <laughs> would say, what, cat? Well, I, I just can't even think of a failure. I, I just haven't experienced failure in my entire life. I am a huge success. <laughs> or if they have failed and they admit to a failure, it's never their fault. Right, right. It's always someone else's fault. The hindsight is... I wouldn't have worked with Jimmy or I wouldn't have had Sally on my team or I wouldn't have joined a company that had such bad marketing. That shitty recruiter didn't know how to hire any good people other than me. (laughs) They sure didn't. That recruiter was terrible and they ruined the company. But it's never a self-reflection. Usually they can give an example because let's be honest, they've probably had a failure, but it's never their failure. It's always the failure of everybody around them. Mm -hmm. And I would say like caveat to that or or in addition more likely to that is that question might get them started talking about how they've been screwed. Right. Oh, this one did this to me and this one did that to me and you know, and you can get a lot of sob stories of, again, not my fault, but everybody around me just brought me down. Woe is me. So people who are out there on the job search, uh, approaching an interviewer, listen to these tips. Don't be that person. Yeah. And as a little tip in there, if you want to make sure that you take ownership for your piece of the puzzle, and a lot of times when things go wrong, it may not be your fault, but you have to be able to look back and reflect both personally and on the team and group effort and company effort and look holistically. But the finger pointing, I was perfect, everybody else wasn't, that is going to be a red flag to any good interview. Absolutely. When those people are on the other side of my phone, when I'm interviewing them, I uh, I just let them go mm-hmm. because the more they talk, the more the more notes I have about how they're not going to be a good fit for the position. Yep, I would say one more little tip during the interview process that comes out, and again, this isn't everyone who does this, but if they're in a job at a pretty good company, but they think they can get a promotion or a raise or something from your company and they're like, well, I'm not looking, but I'm interested. And they're kind of saying in an fishing, like I want a giant raise. I want a giant promotion to go. It's just a little asshole. You just committed like a month ago to this company and you're telling me you're doing phenomenally and everything's great. The company hasn't done anything wrong to lose your loyalty. And that's kind of an asshole move. Mm-hmm. So anything else during the before you hire process, Kat? I think you've covered most of the the red flags, Liz. I, I do think that, um, you know, it's pretty easy to identify someone who has those kind of traits. But they can also be charming and oh, yeah. feel like you're putting your the role that you're hiring for in the hands of this expert because they will tell you that they are awesome. Well, then that would go back to the rule that the best interviewer is not necessarily the best candidate for the position. That's a good reminder in recruiting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true. But 
they will make you feel like they can do anything that you could ever imagine being done. And they're a generalist and do it all and all that good stuff. Rockstar. Rockstar. Oh, yeah, they are. But that's why you have to listen for those I, I, I and pointing fingers and those things because anything you say, can you do this or have you done this? Oh, yes. So you have to listen to the stories and that's why behavioral interviewing is such a critical piece of the process. Absolutely. So we're about to talk about, you know, how do you work with an asshole, right? This can be extended to how do you work with difficult people as well, because it's a spectrum, right? With the easiest person to work with, most competent on one side of the scale and the asshole on the other side of the scale and difficult is kind of somewhere toward the asshole, but not quite there. Right. Mm -hmm. And we all know that there are difficult people out there and there are some good best practices on how to manage difficult people or assholes. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I would say difficult, as you said, there's a, there's a spectrum of that, but certain people can be amazing on certain projects and then they get completely out of their comfort zone or bored or something. And so they become the asshole on one project, but they're not like generally mm-hmm. tough mm-hmm. to work with. So, and I think that's about management and resource allocation and all things that we're not going to get into right now. But let's just say that someone, an asshole, and I, sorry, mama, you don't want to hear me swearing. Anyway, we apologize that they've gotten past your hiring team or they've been around or something and they're on your team. So once you've got to work with them, what do you do? What's tip number one, Kat? Well, I think it's always good to be really clear on guidelines and instructions on and expectations. So with everyone, that's good. But it's even more important with your general asshole mm-hmm. to be extremely explicit about what your expectations are, what the guidelines are, what the rules are. Uh, project deliverables, just um, as clear as possible. And then you want to follow that up in writing. Yeah. It's really important to be able to document both verbally and on paper, as you said, Mm -hmm. what they need to do, what success looks like so that when they've been their incredibly wildly successful self, you can point back to that and say, no, I wanted X, Y, and Z, and you gave me P, Q, and R. Yeah. So whenever you've got red flags like that, always after a meeting, do a little follow-up. It might take a little bit of time, Mm -hmm. but uh, having an email and writing to refer to has has saved me so many times. Mm -hmm. And I would say over-document. Like, Mm -hmm. So if Kat and I are working on something, I don't need to send her an email after saying, hi, Kat, per our conversation, we discussed this, this, and this. And just to make sure that she knows me and understands me because we can communicate well and have a good relationship. If Kat was an asshole, which she is clearly not. Usually not. Then, <laughs> Unless I'm really out of my comfort zone, right? <laughs> but then I would say to her after the meeting that when we discussed the three deliverables, I would then follow up with a explicit email saying, Per our conversation, these are the three deliverables for this week. You will be working on this. So-and-so will be assisting with this. Again, it's the CYA approach, Mm -hmm. but it's also so that they can't blame and put things around later. It's holding their feet to the fire of what they're responsible for. So they can't squirm their way out of it. Mm -hmm. Going back to sandwiching, you know, you can always say, hey, it was good to meet with you today. I just want to just want to reiterate what we discussed and the deliverables and hey, you know, holler if you need some help. 
Yes, I I do love a, I love a good a good sandwich. Praise, <laughs> maybe not so much praise. Praise. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And speaking of praise, you know, a lot of the assholes' characteristics are of being kind of an egomaniac, and they love to be told how great they are. Mm-hmm. It feeds the asshole, which you, while you don't want to, you want to because you want them to deliver, and so smother them with praise and kindness. When you see something that they do, with kids, they call it the nurtured heart approach where you're supposed to ignore the bad and praise the good. You want to do nurtured heart on these people. You want to, oh, thank you so much for getting that to me on time. That really saved the day today. So you want to make sure you notice the good and praise it. It doesn't mean that the bad's going to go away, unfortunately, but at least it won't have them fetching and complaining all the way through the process. It'll have them liking working with you, which should help the attitude stay at bay a bit. And, and also just even a step back, if people are being difficult and are on that asshole end of the spectrum, there's probably a good chance that something bad has happened in their past. Mm-hmm. And the behavior may be a coping mechanism. So as much kindness as you can offer, Mm -hmm. it does kind of tame it a little bit. I've seen it. it, It's it's kind of magic, actually. It really is. It does work. And and so sometimes what I've noticed is there are people that people say, oh gosh, how could you work with them? And it's because I found what I liked about them and I endeared them to me through a lot of kindness. And because I saw the good, I was able to get their best side when I worked with them. And Positive reinforcement. Totally. And so when you're working with someone who's super difficult like this, the more you can do that, the better. Because it will help feed that ego that needs more strokes than normal. Because usually that bragginess and all that, that comes from something, as Kat said. Well, occasionally there can be a bully context too, which I personally cannot stand. How do you navigate that, Liz? The bully context? Yeah. I mean, do you, do you call people out? What is your advice on that? You know, I think that again, in a kind way, if it's appropriate, sometimes if someone's being a real ass, you've got to call them out for being an ass and you've got to show them that you're just as strong as them. The meek do not survive in this situation. And so sometimes you can say, whoa, 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 hold on there a second. The way you just spoke to me is not okay. And I'm not okay with it. So we're working together. We're going to get through this together, but we have to treat each other with kindness and respect. This is a professional environment. So you can like in the moment, call it out in a way that just calls it out. And you can also say something like, you know, if I'm ever acting unprofessional or unkind, please call me out because sometimes in the heat of the moment when I'm working really hard, I'm pretty blunt. So call me out if I'm being too blunt, but if someone's not treating you okay, that is something that you can absolutely bring up. You do not, never let them see a sweat. Um, you, You don't want them to take advantage of your kindness or to think that you're a pushover or to think that you're someone who will do all the work and they can take the credit. Because these kind of people, if they think that, they will. But once they get a little bit of a pushback, they don't target you. It's kind of amazing how it happens, but I've seen it time and time again, watching others and also pushing back myself with people. Mm-hmm. And it's also, it, you know, it's the playground approach where if someone says, hey, you're short to the little kid and they're like, oh, great observation. They're not going to be teased for being short again. Right. It's playground mentality sometimes and you have to stick up for yourself. Speaking of that, it 
some of this depends on your company, but this is the kind of thing that you go to your manager with and make your manager aware of, okay, I'm working on this project with this difficult person, but this is difficult and keep the manager in the loop of what's going on. And if that's not okay, then HR is a resource for you for this because there are people at your company, management, HR, HR business partners that are there to help with these situations and to coach the person and to work with you and work with them. If the behavior gets to a point that it's making you uncomfortable or anything, you need to be your own advocate and make sure that this person is getting company-wide coaching or company-wide reprimands that isn't really your job as a coworker. So what I'm hearing you say is that you want to push back, but don't necessarily take it on and be super confrontational. Yeah, I think I think you have to show your strength, mm-hmm. but I also think that if someone sees your strength and isn't letting it go, it's not your battle really. It's really not your battle. You're trying to get your job done and if they're if someone is getting in the way of you getting your job done, then you need to escalate it because ultimately you want to get your job done. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Any other tips we have about working with assholes? Mm, I think that most of it is be clear, be kind, Praise when you can and, um, and be strong. Be strong. Yeah. All right. So, Kat, you're a manager and you inherit one on your team because you would never hire one. <sighs> what happens? Like, what's your approach? Like, all of a sudden, you, you inherited Patty and Patty is an asshole. What do you do? Well, it's, there are actually similar strategies, right? You have to be incredibly clear about what's expected. And the first time it shows up, you have a conversation about how the behavior is not aligned with the company culture. Right. And this is what we expect. This is how you need to behave to fit in well with the company culture. And that's a piece of success in the role. Mm-hmm. But, you know, what I found is, you know, it, as a manager and as a coach, Households are not easily coachable. We were going to call this episode, You Can't Coach Assholes, but we're going to have to change that because of laws. Yeah, we want you guys to be able to hear this. But they're really not very coachable, and that's, that's what we've been talking about. So what do you do, right? What, you've got one on your team. You know, it's actually even more of a challenge for the manager to deal with them than, than to be a coworker. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and don't even try to coach them if you're not your man- the manager. God forbid. Oh, gosh, no. Pass that to the manager. It's just, that's their job. You can give feedback on don't treat me that way, but do not give feedback on how they did their job because that will send them into asshole frenzy. Mm-hmm. And then you have to work with someone in asshole frenzy who's going to target you. It's not your job. Yeah. You, you don't want to kick up their defensiveness, Mm-mm. but you know, that is a trait. So even if you play it by the book, it may happen. So uh, you have to stick to the facts. Mm-hmm. And be very clear about your communication. In your communication, talk about what you observe uh, and how you would recommend steps forward to change the behavior. And I would say as a manager, it's always good to document and to keep track of things and to make everything clear. And and as managers throughout the day, sometimes we do it better and sometimes we don't do it that well. But when you've got a true asshole, egomaniac kind of person on your team, you basically want to be thinking about how you're coaching them out. And we're going to talk about that a little bit in a minute, but you want to make sure you're having your regular one-on-ones. Do not put off that one. You document it after you give them smart, you know, clear goals. 
to be honest with them, you know, with the way I, I observed you talking to Jane and when you were talking to her, you weren't listening to her and letting her do her piece of the presentation in future. I want to see you listening and letting people do their piece of the project or whatever it is. As a manager, if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. Mm -mm. And I have seen people get fired for not managing this type of behavior well. No one wants conflict. I mean, actually, Mm -hmm. some people thrive on it and really enjoy a good fight. I think that it's a smaller percentage of people that do that and they struggle in their careers. Mm -hmm. You know, they're also generally the complainers, right? You can kind of bucket some of that stuff together, but address it. Absolutely. Do not blow off your one-on-ones with these people. Mm -mm. That's going to put your job in jeopardy. It has the potential to put your job in jeopardy. Yep. But you're trying to coach them and make them better, but know that you're making the paper trail in case you have to let them go. And you want that paper trail. You want it documented. Every meeting that you have with them, you take notes after and keep those notes to have everything that you need to be able to manage them out effectively if if it comes to that. But I think it's really important, Kat, to keep in mind that a lot of people with this profile feel like they know everything. Mm -hmm. And so when you're giving feedback to a person like this, they already know. So when you're like, when you approach this in that way, I'd rather see you approach it in this way. Oh, no, I do that all the time. I know already. Do you agree? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. And I'm thinking that's a really good time to pull out a class on feedback out of your back pocket and say, I understand, you know, but I just want you to review this, right? Maybe some additional training would be helpful. It's also important to think that these people don't always see themselves the way others see them. They're Mm -hmm. kind of oblivious Mm -hmm. to how others see them. And Mm -hmm. so they think they're doing what you're saying. They think they're being open and team player-y and all that. And when you're coaching them and telling them what you observe, they're looking out for ways to discount you. Sometimes I wish you could video a whole scene that goes down and just say, hey, let's go in the screening room and take a look at what just happened. Well, I mean, how many times have you had a career coaching session with someone and you give them feedback and say, you know, it feels like you're really angry. You wouldn't want to be that way with a client or something. And they're like, oh, I would never be that way with a client. It's because you're my coach or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like. I feel like you might be a little angry spice. Yeah. I don't get too many of those. Lucky me. Probably because it's just not a good fit, right? I mean, I kind of make I kind of make sure up front that they're willing to mm-hmm. do a little bit of self-examination and it might be a little painful. Mm-hmm. But going through that process, it's well worth it. I'm not a big fan of no pain, no gain, but when it comes to feedback, you know, sometimes you have to make yourself a little uncomfortable to to grow. I agree. Cool. Anything else about the coaching around them? So don't do it if you're not their boss. If your boss, mm-hmm. do it in a super retentive, super um, documented way, very clear and measurable way. Anything else? Yeah. If you're a coach, try to have an intake form that can help you to figure that out before you take someone on as a client because mm-hmm. it's much easier to say, you know, I think we don't have a great fit here yeah. on the front end than to have to navigate a mess. Also, if you take on someone like this by accident, there is a lovely way to say, you know, I don't know that I can help you anymore. Like, I think you've, Mm -hmm. I've done what I can for you. And sometimes someone might hear that positively. Right, exactly. I was just going to say that, Liz. And then they're going to say, well, Liz told me she didn't have anything else to help me with. I'm doing great. 
which fine. Cause you're still not having to coach them. <laughs> right. You know, again, it's very, very rare that somebody with this profile changes. So it's not your failure as a manager. It's not your failure as a coach. It's not your failure as a mentor. You do what you can. We're all adults moving on. Right. So moving on, they're on your team. They're making a mess. Cat, what's next? Managing them out. Yeah, manage them out. If you've given them ample opportunity to make changes and they're not making the changes, well, then hopefully you've documented it. Mm -hmm. And work with your HR business partner and say, let's, you know, let's get them out. Put them on a performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. With clear goals Mm -hmm. that maybe they'll meet. Goals, smart goals. So they have to have a time component to it, right? So, you know, in some cases it's, I need to see an immediate change and we'll check again in two weeks. And if things haven't changed, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they have to be measurable. So it can't just be your perception. Like you seem really negative. It's right. Smart is specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and timely. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't give them unrealistic goals. You have to, you have to be reasonable, but that smart formula actually is a great formula to use. Absolutely. And if you're giving those kinds of goals, then they will be able to either meet them or not, uh, and they can't debate it. So yeah. it's very important that, that you make the goals very measurable in a clear way, not a perception way. As a manager, if you sense there's someone on your team that is going to be difficult like this, Mm -hmm. you work with your HR business partner ASAP. The minute you smell this, because not only are you documenting it as a good manager, but then they're documenting it as a good HR person. And you're consistently talking about, okay, what can we do now? What have we done? When is it time for that performance improvement plan, et cetera? So you work together with your HR business partner, it will help you. Even if you don't have the world's strongest HR business partner, it will still help you get through the process that your company has set. And trust your instincts. If you've got a red flag that you're sensing, honor that. Mm -hmm. Our intuition can, can really serve us in these roles, but we have to acknowledge it and honor it. And your HR business partner may have information that you don't have that could be really helpful in managing this person effectively. And so absolutely, as soon as you can, engage with them and see what they have to say and have them help you through the process. But when managing them out, HR has to be along for the ride or you're not going to be able to get them off your team or out of the company. Absolutely. Gosh, Kat. This has been so uplifting. (laughs) Always positive. So let's end it on a positive because I think when you're feeling negative, you have to turn it around and and bring yourself back up to not be, woe is me, sad, sad. Yeah. And sometimes, like you said earlier, sometimes people, when they're out of their comfort zone or there might be something going on in their personal life, right, that's causing them to have more anxiety and to respond more sensitively than they might normally. Mm-hmm. So you know, that's where the kindness comes in. We're going to always preach kindness on this podcast because it can never hurt you unless you don't push back when you need to. And I kind of feel bad for this person. Yeah. And that's where it kind of, it comes from is that like, I hope for them when I'm coaching them or when I'm working with them and getting them out. You're rooting for them. You're rooting for them. I'm rooting for change. Like I really am. Like I want it to happen. And I think that when you're coming from a good place where you're rooting for them, even though they drive you bazonkers, mm-hmm. it helps you have patience and kindness towards them and patience and kindness towards yourself. 
it really helps. It helps you deal. If you really are coming from that place of doing your best to be kind and to be patient, Mm -hmm. people do pick up on that. And there's a possibility that you're going to be able to appeal to the side of them that is more reasonable. And that's, that's always the goal here. We're all human. Mm-hmm. No one's perfect, but gosh, people try not to be an asshole because you're so hard to work with. You really are. And it's the workplace. We're all going to do our thing and make our living. And like, if someone is making that an unpleasant place and you could lose other valued members of the team, you have oh, to do God. what you have to do. Yeah. So while you treat them with kindness and compassion and know that, you know, let's say they have a family or they have a, you know, mom that they're taking care of at home or whatever, you can be kind, but also do what's in the best interest of your company at the same yeah, time. Your company's, your company's paying the paycheck. They're paying the paycheck and they are paying you to get your job done. And so you have to have that as a priority, but you can do that with kindness and respect. and. I just thought of another thing, like as hard as it is, try to keep the gossip down Mm -hmm. because sometimes the toxicity of this person spreads like wildfire and everyone's talking about, oh my God, Jimmy's such a jerk. As a manager, it is your job not to fuel that flame. Oh, try to put it out. And if someone comes like, I just can't work with Jimmy another minute. What do you do, Kat, as a manager? You give them some coping mechanisms and tell them that you're going to deal with this and that it's not for them to worry about and for them to focus on their job and, you know, mm-hmm. suggest they go go for a walk when it gets really bad or to uh, to escalate, to CC me on, on emails. Mm-hmm. If it's that difficult, every email you send this person, CC me and I've got your back. Yep. You have to assure that you've got the person, the good employees back mm-hmm. and make them feel safe. And tell them you're dealing with it. Say, mm-hmm. I'm very aware and I'm on top of it, but I, I'm really relying on you to stay positive and to not feel this fire. Know that I'm on top of it. Know that I see it. I see you. I hear you. But now shut up yeah. about it outside of this office. Thank you for your feedback. Mm-hmm. And I, I ask that you come to me when you have more feedback. Yeah. Because that, that stuff can be toxic. It can. And so as a manager, you have an open door. As a peer of this person and stuff, Really try to keep the toxicity down and the gossip down because it will bring the whole team down. It can. And you don't want to give this person that power. No. So we know them. They drive us nutty. We work with them. It's tough. We hope that we're giving you some tips to kind of work through it, work around it, and make it as pleasant as possible. But if you've got any specific situations that you're, you're struggling with at work, whether it's around assholes or any other job or career-related question, feel free to shoot us an email. Mm-hmm. You can just hit the contact button on the Real Job Talk page, and that'll uh, send an email both to Liz and myself. And uh, who knows, we might even invite you on a future episode of Real Job Talk. Wouldn't it be fun to talk a real situation through? We can do some laser coaching, and that that's what we're hoping to do. Mm-hmm. Great. Awesome. Well, thank you for joining us. Kat, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Liz. As always, uh, I enjoy our time together. Me too. So you can reach us at at Real Job Talk on Twitter. And Real Job Talk Show on Facebook. And the best way to reach out to us is through our website, realjobtalk.com, and hit that contact button. We cannot wait to hear from you. And that'll send emails right to us. So. Until next time, thank y'all. Thank you. Bye-bye.